episode 430, Rapid Relief for Lower Back Pain Without Surgery. Dr. Ron Donaldson. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership podcast that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk for how to rise up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk, X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. Get to the podcast. Crucial episode. I'm sure everyone has experienced low back pain at some point in their life. I know I have, and when you get it bad, it really takes you out. So we have Ron Donaldson on the line. He's an expert in the non-surgical care of lower back pain. Really want to dive into this one straight away. So firstly, Ron, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Yes. That was a brief introduction. Is there anything else you'd like to add or highlight? My background is as an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, but many years ago, because of this uh, back care that we're going to talk about, I became very enthralled with it and transitioned out of my sports medicine interest into spine care and also out of surgery because surgery is so seldom needed. Uh, so I'm a non-surgical spine expert of sorts. And I published some research and written a couple books and uh, still do some consulting and speaking and uh, uh, interviews like this. Uh, so I'm, I'm not practicing any longer, but I keep fairly busy with some of these other uh, ways of advocating for a particular type of care. Brilliant. And Ron's book is Rapidly Reversible Low Back Pain. How was that decision, obviously, like you said, you're a, you're a surgeon, to then that kind of realization that a lot of these, in some ways, doing yourself out of a job, uh, and a lot of these things don't need to be operated on. How was that decision way back when you started to realize, actually, maybe I don't need to be operating so much, and, but having that conflict, was there any conflict, or was it very straightforward? Well, I don't know about conflict, but it, was, it, was, it took several years to make that decision uh, as I became more and more acquainted with how important uh, this particular topic is uh, and how many people are uh, not treated well and are undergoing unnecessary and ineffective care. And that, that became uh, pretty compelling to me uh, and, in terms of its importance. And so, as I said, it took several years for me to come to the conclusion that I, I needed to go in a different direction. Yeah. And you mentioned lots of people are not treated well in terms of their lower back pain. What are some of these mistreatments or some things that, you know, either people or physicians get wrong in terms of this whole lower back issues? Well, it, it starts with a diagnosis. And uh, of course, low back pain isn't a diagnosis. It's only a symptom. Mm. And so what's causing the symptom, and that typically should influence what treatment you prescribe. Uh, but it's widely understood that 85% of low back pain can't be diagnosed if you're trying to come up with a, uh, an anatomic cause, you know, a structure that's causing the pain. We're unable to do that with all of our modern imaging and so forth. So that's where the problem begins. And so then clinicians are faced with trying to figure out the best treatment for this nonspecific symptom. Uh, 
Mm. And that's fraught with problems. Uh, and so there's the treatment you get, if you have low back pain and go seeking care, the treatment you get is mostly mostly determined by the office you walk into. Mm. Uh, whether you're an MD or a chiropractor or a physical therapist, uh, uh, the, the treatments are, are quite varied and many of them are just plain ineffective. Uh, and uh, so that's where the problem lies is in the diagnostics. And that's where the particular type of care that I ran into and that I'm advocating, uh, it separates itself from the masses because it does help determine the, what, what's causing the pain. Yeah. Not necessarily the anatomic structure, but the particular pattern of pain is, is, uh, allows one to subgroup, allows a clinician to subgroup patients into different categories. And each category, turns out, has its own very effective treatment, but the key is to get the patient in the right category to, at the outset. Yeah. And, I mean, could you give us, what, what are these kind of these main broader cat categories even? Well, the, the biggest category is uh, represented by a pain pattern uh, where a particular direction of bending or positioning of the spine makes the pain worse, and the opposite direction uh, makes it better and even eliminates the pain. Okay. And so the assessment is to evaluate the effect on a patient's pain of different test directions of test movement. And uh, the majority of patients have a single direction of bending of their spine that starts to eliminate their pain. And often it can be eliminated in the very first uh, session of, of assessment. And once you identify that direction, then the treatment becomes very clear. And the treatment yeah. is typically something that the patient can carry out themselves once they have a little bit of education. Yeah, and would that be stretching or just putting yourselves into certain positions daily or how would that look? Uh, it's a combination of, of, of stretching, which means bending the spine in that one single specific direction to as far as the spine will go and, and do so repeatedly. Mm. Uh, so it's not a strengthening exercise at all. It's we call it a mechanical exercise because we're we're applying some forces inside the spine where the problem is, based on that direction of movement, and those forces we think are putting something back in place uh, that went out of place and are causing the symptoms. And so if if much, a lot of low back most low back pain is put out of place very easily. Uh, you know, we, we go on a long airplane ride or a car trip or we're working in the garden or some typically, most often, bending type of thing. And that starts the pain because something inside moved out of place mm. in response to all that bending in that one direction. And it turns out bending in the opposite direction will help put the thing back in place. And you can tell it's happening because the pain starts to eliminate. Yeah. If it's in the leg or the arm, start comes out of the arm or the leg first, and then uh, and that tells you you're onto something. You, you're starting to identify the, the proper movement, and then continuing with that usually eliminates the remaining pain. Yeah. And, and and once the pain is gone, then that same direction of movement or exercise and positioning will help keep the pain away. Or if it starts to come back again, we'll get rid of it once again. Yeah. And so the, the direction of exercise becomes a tool that the patient can use to first get rid of the pain and then keep it from returning. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you say we're, we're, we're talking about it now. Uh, probably only about two weeks ago, 
I had um, lower back pain. And it's interesting. At the time when you've got it, you can't think of anything else because it affects everything you're doing every part of your day. And then as soon as I could manage to get rid of it, it's like a distant memory now. But it, it was from, I, I, it was nothing major. Um, and I think I did some reasonably medium squats in the gym. I, but I didn't notice anything at the time. But then gradually like that, I woke up the next day um, and I was like, felt very old. I was in like a lot of pain. And then it really, it, it hung around for about two weeks and I couldn't really do a lot of activities, but I was doing lots of stretching um, that was relieving it literally pulling my knees into my chest and sort of on the floor and that relieved it, but it, it, it just would not go quickly. It just, cause it kept seizing up. It felt like after, you know, the relief and especially in the mornings, if I'd loosened up over the day, the next morning it would wake up and I'd, I'd gone backwards a long way and then yeah. I had to slowly, slowly kind of um, deal with it. Is that quite common? And it sounds oh, like it could be linked to that's a, that's a classic story. And uh, one of the common responses to it is to do some forward bending, knees to chest, where we, we're bending our spine in a forward direction. And that can give some temporary relief, but it does not get rid of the problem. In fact, for most people, that's the opposite direction that mm. you should be moving. That's the direction that probably uh, brought it on, uh, maybe over a series of activities or positions uh, that it's hard to uh, yeah, and I felt like I think I had. I fell off my uh, my bike, um, not a motorbike, an actual just like you know pedal bike. Fell off my bike probably about a week or so before that. So I'd taken a few hits. I felt a little bit out of line, and then I think it was like an accumulation of a few little things. And I was like, you know, playing some beach volleyball, diving around, like getting jolted, and then it just it just you know felt like it almost came out of nowhere. Well, a lot of times, as you have, we focus on particular activities or events. Uh, at the cause, but oftentimes just as uh, significant is what we do when we're not exercising, when we sit down to rest and we sit on a nice, soft, easy chair uh, with our back bent forward, kind of slouched yeah. position, yeah. and that can be as aggravating and, and inciting as any particular activity or a fall off your bike. And so you're right, it, it, it tends to accumulate many times. Sometimes it's, it's a single event or a single activity, but it tends to accumulate and kind of gang up on you. And, uh, and sometimes a single movement will put you over the edge and, and then you're in, in, in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, and then the question is, well, what do we do now? And what we do is, well, let's evaluate how your pain responds to different positions and movements. And I'm quite sure that uh, if we had had a shot at you, uh, we would have found that your pain would have quieted down very quickly if we would have tested backward bending, arching your back, you know, just the opposite direction. Yeah. And so uh, you were getting some temporary relief likely with the forward bending, this uh, knees to chest or whatever you were trying. Yeah. Uh, that can give some temporary relief, but it typically doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. I was also doing the, uh, and again, this is from, I had a back injury when I was probably about 14 years of old, uh, age and I don't know whether I got diagnosed right or wrong, but it, it took about a year to get rid of. And obviously when you're young, that's a long time. Wow. So another one of the ones I was doing, just come, going back to, you know, what I knew and what worked well before, a rotational stretch. So you're lying on the floor, pulling your knee across and keeping your shoulders on the ground, pulling your knee across your body. Um, and that gave some relief. But again, like you say, without a diagnosis, I'm kind of just like fishing in the dark a little bit here, trying to find something. Yeah. 
Sure. So you're giving yourself little bits of temporary relief, but it still lasted a year. Yeah. So, so obviously, whatever you were trying overall wasn't working. Yeah. Well, this is, I'm, I'm interested to hear because this was, I think it was an osteopath back then. And he diagnosed it eventually with, he thought it was, um, it was a strength issue. He said, similar to women with large breasts, I, I, I was quite muscularish for a young guy, but I hadn't developed, uh, and it looked fine, but I, my core was weak. So we got yeah. lots of strengthening exercises to do because my core was too weak. That was the diagnosis so that, and that eventually, but it wasn't a quick fix. I mean, so oh. is this another category where you strengthen has got to be, you know, a key component of it? Because I know we talked about one category at the start or, and what, what are your thoughts about that diagnosis and treatment? Well, let me, let me ask it this way. If, if we had had a chance to see you and evaluate you, as I just suggested, mm -hmm. and we found a single direction that started to eliminate your pain, and you were pain-free in four or five days, what role do you think strengthening played in that? Not, not a huge amount. No. No, <laughs> Nothing. No, yeah. None of it was strengthening. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean there's not value in strengthening. Yeah. But, uh, and maybe if you had been a bit stronger, you might not have gotten in trouble as easily. But very strong people, very uh, thoroughbred athletes, yeah. they can sit and slouch and get the same pain that you did. Mm -hmm. And it's not for lack of strength. Uh, they're, they're mechanically putting some forward bending stress on it. And we can talk about what the theory is as to why the pain comes on, what happens inside as a result of that. Um, but strength is, is not the end all treatment or prevention method, uh, although it's certainly good and healthy for all of us. Yeah, I was going to say, and a role in holding, when you manipulate it or you putting yourself in the right positions to hold it in position more or, you know, stabilize and keep it there a little bit more or well you have you have to test to yeah. see and and the key is you can you monitor how the pain responds to that particular movement or that particular position and if for someone often whether they have pain down their arm or leg or they just have pain in, in their back or their neck if you monitor that if the pain starts to go away then you may be onto something so then you keep testing that particular position or movement to see what its effect is. And if, if it's the right movement, it'll keep helping you. Yeah. And then it, be, then it becomes a tool for you to use. Uh, and when you go home from the assessment process, uh, just sitting in the car, likely the pain's gonna start to come back again. Well, but you can do at yeah. home just what you did in the office or in the clinic. And if that responds, then that's another layer of, of confidence that, yeah, we're starting to get onto something here. And uh, it's, it's very common for these things to turn around, yeah. as I said, even in the first session of testing sometimes, and, uh, but certainly within a few days. Yeah, the flip side, so the movement that causes the most pain, how do you use that in diagnosis or, and for the, the person who's got that, common sense would say just avoid that movement like the plague. I mean, what are your thoughts around like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, during the assessment, you're identifying the beneficial direction, but you're also identifying the, the excuse me, identifying uh, the bad direction. And so obviously the, the, the strategy then is to give you back the good direction. Let's temporarily avoid the bad direction. And for those that, for the large percentage of people that benefit from bending backwards, they have to adjust their posture because the slouch sitting is the bad direction. Mm -hmm. And so they have to uh, 
they use a lumbar roll, a little, little support behind their lower back so they sit more upright when they have to sit. They minimize their sitting temporarily and then mix that with some exercises, which are like uh, the most common would be a, a cobra type movement, lying flat yep. on the floor, pushing yourself upward to arch your back maximally, or to stand up and put your hands in your back and bend backwards, or to bend backwards over the edge of the kitchen counter. So the good direction you give it heaps, and the bad direction you temporarily avoid. And that's, that's the rapid way of getting out of it. And uh, then as, as you become pain-free and the thing starts to stabilize and behave a bit better, then you can relax uh, on the, the uh, amount of the, back, the forward stuff that you're avoiding, and you can give it more, continue to give it more backbending uh, to make sure that it stays better. Definitely. And I believe you talked about the different categories and I think we really kind of dug into one to start with. I mean, what are, just to summarize, what are the sort of the main categories for you? Well, just to be clear, that particular category I just described is probably, depending on the study you read, it's 70 to 90% of low back pain. Ah, yeah. So it's gigantic. Now the direction of movement is varies, but within that category where there is a direction of movement that helps, by far the, the most common direction it helps is the backward bending. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable when you consider how much time we spend sitting in our computers and in our car and, and, and on the couch watching TV where our back is, is bent forward. And so that accumulates. And, uh, and it, it, you add to that lifestyle some work in the garden or some other bending activity and, and you're, you're getting pretty vulnerable. Um, and uh, so it's, it's very common for people to say walking is the best thing I can do for my back. And of course, walking, we're erect. And we have a small hollow in the lower back. So that's some of the good direction. It's not the extreme that's so helpful with treatment, but it, it is uh, very important in terms of the health of the back. So that is by far the largest category. And the bending backward is the largest directional subgroup, if you will. Yeah. Uh, there, there are other people that uh, don't have pain from any real problem inside. They just get pain from slouched sitting. We call it postural pain. And it's no different than taking your finger and bending it backwards mm. and pulling on it a bit, and it starts to hurt. Well, there's nothing, that's a healthy finger. There's nothing wrong. There's no diagnosis, yeah. but it's still pain. And if you keep it up, you can in time cause some damage. So some people... Uh, most people don't come to see us for that type of pain, but it's, it's quite common and we've all felt it when we've sat in a movie for a long time and we stand up and we have to, it's a little slow coming up and it's a little uncomfortable, but then we're fine. Just like when I let my finger go and wiggle it, the pain's gone. It's a healthy finger. So, so that's the earliest form of, of back pain where there's nothing really wrong. It's a healthy back, but we're positioning it at, at its end range and putting things on a stretch and they start to complain a bit. Yeah. There's no pathology. There's no diagnosis. We call it postural pain. So we do give it a diagnosis of postural pain, but we don't worry about what structure it is. And so those people, if, if the only people that come to us with that are the moms who bring their teenage daughter in or son 
and the mom's all concerned because they're having pain at school sitting or when they're studying at home and they're having back pain and mom's getting concerned that this is something serious and you walk in and you see this this youngster and they're just sitting there with this incredible slouch yeah and and all you do is show them that if they sit directly it goes away and they can then keep it away. so they have to be taught some postural things and it's as simple as that so that's that's one category it's a small category but it's one of the initial signs that they're starting to, to put some stress on your back that your back doesn't like a third category is people that have had an injury or excuse me that's i don't like that word that have had back pain and have had a, a, a legitimate problem in their backs and they spend so much time bending forward partly because they think that's the solution okay and they give it more of and what they do is over time they lose their ability to bend backwards so someone who's a career desk person they have a hard time even standing up straight you know they're the ones that kind of walk around bend over a bit their backs their soft tissues have kind of remodeled uh into this position that they've lived in for so long and they actually need to bring on pain they need to stretch to try to regain some of their lost direction of, of movement and that requires when, when you stretch to to remodel tissues that can be that if it's effective it has to be painful you have to actually bring on some pain uh to to strengthen and and excuse me to lengthen uh those tissues so that's that's another category that is you know obviously much less frequent with the um people who are operated on that where it's not a hundred percent clear obviously there's some things that definitely need to be operated on more kind of the categories where you might disagree with a surgeon and if you'd have got hold of that person, you likely wouldn't have operated on them. What back issue is that kind of grayer area that someone would operate and someone else like yourself might not? There's data that, that, that indicates that half of the low back surgeries performed are unnecessary. Whoa. To the tune of maybe a couple hundred billion dollars a year. What do you think that is just you fueled by money and obviously surgeons with the skills want to use them? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now that's, they also feel they're experts. And so they're not very open to things I'm talking about. They're not into, they're not, they don't have a good understanding of non-operative care. They're surgeons. That's yeah. their skill. That's what they specialize in. And when a patient is sent to them, ideally they love to, if that patient is, is, has been fully evaluated and is now a surgical candidate and they can go ahead and do their thing. Okay. So they're just, yeah, they're just kind of end of the line. Most people, do not have full recovery mm. they're much better but they still have some pain hanging around they're still not able to do everything they want to do is that because of like we've just been talking about all the issues that got the back into that position you know we're just putting a very fancy expensive plaster over it and the issues that are initially there are going to still be there and creep back sure and it comes down to where we started and that is patient assessment mm. Uh, there are two or three studies of patients that were at the point of the care where they were surgical candidates. Surgery was being discussed. And these studies, they, had, they gave them the opportunity to have this type of assessment I'm talking about. And 50% of those surgical candidates turned around. One study shows that 50% were pain-free within five days. And every one of them, their mechanism or their treatment for 
turning around so quickly was backward bending uh, exercises and, and, and avoiding slouch sitting. So they had a, a more advanced back problem that wasn't getting better, so they were considered surgical candidates. Uh, but the surgeon had heard about this type of care and the theory that some backward bending movements might help put a herniated disc back in place. And so he, without any training, had every one of his patients perform a cobra type movement multiple times as a test. And 50% uh, of them started to feel their leg pain go away. And so based on that test result, they were instructed to perform these exercises in three or four sessions of them a day. And every one of them was pain free in five days. Most of those patients would have undergone unnecessary surgery. Yeah. Well, I mean, touched on obviously that relieved a lot of pain. What are some key things people can do? And even um, like me currently, I, I don't have any back pain, but I am concerned as uh, like you've been touching on, there's a lot of sitting and more sitting than there used to be in my day. I used to be a, you know, a PE teacher, a lot more manual. And now yeah. if I'm not aware and disciplined, potentially I could sit here all day. And I, I vary between standing and sitting at the desk, but both times, you know, if I'm standing for a long period of time, that's not, that doesn't feel very good at all. And same for sitting. So I vary it and I'm, you know, make sure I get up and wander around. What is some, what is some advice for people who either have some back pain, but, or even more like a lot of us don't have it currently and don't want it, <laughs> need to avoid sure. it. Sure. There, there's a phrase that we sometimes use, which is motion is lotion. Mm. And so certainly standing up is much better than sitting because at least standing you're erect and you're not yep. putting this bent stress on your lower back. And so getting up and standing, but the greater benefit is in moving around. Yeah. Doing, doing some walking. Your back doesn't like standing still. It starts to complain. Yeah. And so, uh, but the other thing that's very helpful based on what we've just discussed is backward bending, doing some back bends. Uh, while you're standing up, you know, put, putting your hands in the small of your back and, and, and bending over, the, over your fingertips and trying to maximally arch your back. Or if you have a surface that's kitchen counter height, backing up to it and putting that in, in the top of your buttocks or small of your back and using that as a fulcrum to bend back even further. And to do some of those, uh, you know, just intermittently when you get up to move around, do some back bends. That's yeah. motion, but it's a very, very helpful direction of movement to counteract what you've been doing to your back while you've been sitting for an extended time. Well, we're going to start to wrap this up now with the alpha round. I like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that's either an all-time favorite quote of yours or just uh, one that really sums up your approach to life? You know, the quote that we've heard many times is that sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> like that i haven't heard that <laughs> yeah and and so when we sit as much as we do that causes problems and it's not just for our back uh again our, our bodies are made our joints particularly are made to move mm. and so movement uh and getting out of that sitting position and getting erect and moving around and so forth uh not to mention maybe adding some specific exercise like yeah. uh, you know walking or running even or swimming 
those types of things. Uh, again, motion is lotion. I know. I like that one as well. That's catchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so well, those are the types of quotes that come to my mind when we're on this topic. Yeah. Apart from obviously your own book, Rapidly Reversible Low Back Pain, are there any specific books that you think have been really useful on this subject or just for you in your life, your journey, a very impactful book and it might have nothing to do with facts? The gentleman who discovered this, discovered that people have what we call a directional preference. Their spine has a, prefers a direction of movement that eliminates their pain. Uh, the, the gentleman that discovered that is, is a physical therapist from New Zealand named Robin McKenzie. So this type of care is often referred to as McKenzie care. He has written a self-help book uh, that's been out for 35 years probably, and it's excellent. It's a cookbook. Okay. And it's called Treat Your Own Back or Treat Your Own Neck is the other volume, the other book yeah. for neck problems. Very useful. And so many, many, thousands and thousands of people worldwide, I think it's written in 14 languages now. So it's a classic. Yeah, cool. And we're out of time now, but what is the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more? Oh, my email address, I, I, I'm fine getting hearing from people. It's Donaldson, which is my last name, D-O-N-E-L-S-O-N, at selfcarefirst.com. Brilliant. So oh. I'm happy to field questions. And, I, and the other thing is go to my website, which is selfcarefirst.com. And there's a lot of information there on how to find someone who specializes in this, as well as how to access information. And there's some videos there that are very helpful. So that's a, an educational website. Cool. Well, Ron, it's been an absolute pleasure today and a crucial episode. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be with you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk X C E L. E-R-A-T-O-R dot com.